evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 117, In the Name of Jesus for Prayer, the Significance. Now, I got to tell you all that when I was younger, I can't say that I was a young kid. I think of the first time that I called out in the name of Jesus when I was in a life and death situation was when I was in my senior year of college and I was in a mode where I was driving to work and I hit a patch of ice and the car was going around and around and it spun on its side and I hit an embankment. And as it was going around and around, I started saying, Jesus, you know, in fear, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then everything stopped and I was okay. And the second time I remember calling out in a life or death situation, my sister and I, Yvonne and I were going down Route 28 for somewhere and all of a sudden there was an accident and an empty dump truck had hit something and it was flipping over cars and it landed right in front of my car. And I was looking at it, it felt like it was slow motion and I was going, Jesus, Jesus. And the thing stopped and we didn't get hurt. The reason why I tell you that is because a lot of times in my life I have called out in Jesus' name for prayer, for different things that are going on and experiences that I was just knowing that I needed the aid and assistance and guidance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's really every day. But I was thinking about this teaching and it came in my mind those times where I really called out on his name and he just rescued me. And I know he rescues me all the time. But when I was younger, I used to sing this song in at Watson, the church I went to, and it was called Trouble in My Way, I Have to Cry Sometimes. So much trouble. And then I lay awake at night, but that's all right, because Jesus will fix it. And as I started talking about the things that were coming in my mind for the teaching, I recognize that there's a level of maturity, depth that we have about calling on the name of Jesus in our prayer life, in our life experience as a Christian. And as you start to have more and more experience with Christ, you understand the significance of what you're actually calling on, who you're calling on, the power. I mean, at first you're calling on it because that's what you've been taught. It's like a, a thing where you do something over and over again and you know Jesus and you just say Jesus. But as you start to study the scriptures and the Holy Spirit gives you even more understanding, there's something about the significance of the name. And that's what I wanted to focus on. And I can't tell you that it's going to be grand because I, like I tell you all, I am a child of the living God and I ask the Lord to give me understanding of the scriptures because I have to learn of him and the Holy Spirit gives me understanding. So I wanted you to see... First and foremost, let's go to John 17. God, the Father, and Christ, and the Holy Spirit are one. And all of us have some appreciation or knowledge that Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, there's a special connection that they've always been together. But there's something about, even in what he's talking about to his Father, that's going to give us some a roadmap. So what is the significance about his name and what is involved with Christ? And I want you to go to John 17 and let's go to verse 3 as our roadmap. John chapter 17, verse 3, and I'm reading out of the New King James. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, 
the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, many of us have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for us to, to believe that we have repented of our sins and have asked Christ into our lives and that we are Christians, Christ-like. Even in, in that experience, in that relationship change that we've had, that new birth, we have to understand that we don't know the Father in the same capacity and way as the Son of God because they have always been together. And even when he says about, and to know this, eternal life, we are so focused on this life, the, the zero years to X number of years that God grants us to live in this temporary transitional plane of this life until we go into the eternal life. But he says, and for us to know this and how important it is, the only true God, that's his father. Because he's talking in John chapter 17 to his father. And so something about that relationship, I want you all to see from the beginning. And I want you to understand what I mean by the beginning. If you look at John 3, after the fall of man, there's a conversation where there's a curse that's put on the serpent. But then, even as that curse is being put on, John 3.15 talks about that he, meaning Christ, shall bruise your head and you, being the serpent, the devil, shall bruise his heel. And then I started thinking about I said, well, that's so soon in the creation story. God had already understood back in Genesis, even before Genesis, eternity, that the purpose of Christ to come into that taking on the flesh for us to actually be saved. And he's like, Help, I'm going to break it down because I'm not a preacher, so i got to tell you stuff the way I can understand it. He says to his father as he's getting ready to be crucified that he has finished his course. He's done the work. Even on the cross, he says, I commit my spirit to you, Father. It's into your hands. I commit my spirit. And he talks about it is finished. And in John 17, he's talking about, and this is, is to know the eternal life you that they may know you. And all of this is about for us to know who God the Father is, that eternal presence and force, the Alpha and Omega. And from the beginning, when y'all go to John 1, now I don't. I know when you hear a lot of scriptures like, oh, I'm getting lost. But recognize that John 1 talks about, it says, in the beginning was God. So all of these things that we see unfolding in Genesis all the way to Revelation. There is a divine plan. And even now, as we're in 2020, you have to recognize that there are things that when Christ says in Genesis 3.15, he already knew what was going to be happening in John 17, that Christ was going to have to take on flesh and be without sin in order to save us, in order to keep us from having to go to hell and death because it understands that the, the scripture says for the wages of sin is death and the death that he knew about in Genesis 3.15 was Jesus Christ sacrificing himself for us. So the reason why I'm telling you that because this conversation with God, the Father, helps us to understand some more about the significance. It's just like when Christ tells us about the disciples' prayer, we always know that our Father who art in heaven, 
At the end of it, it says, Amen. But when he starts to get into the teaching of the disciples, right before he's going to be crucified, he starts to transition and say, you know, you're not going to be, before you hadn't been saying things in my name. You hadn't been praying in my name. I told you the disciples' prayer. I gave you a pattern, but now there's going to be a transition. But I want you to see the relationship of in the beginning that John 1 is talking about, John 1 verses 1 through 2, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. This is Christ. The Word was with God, and the Word is God. He was in the beginning with God. So you have to understand that all of this coming together of who Christ is and what he's doing now in heaven We've been talking, Reverend uh, Watts has been teaching about Romans. We're in Acts. And you have to understand that even in heaven, Christ is still attentive to everything that's unfolding in his Father's plan and everything that's going on in your life. And even when you are praying, now you may be praying as simplistic as I was, that everything you're praying about is trouble, trouble trouble, trouble. I can't pay this bill. I got this potential eviction. Uh, my kids are not right. My relationship's not right. It's about trouble, like trouble in my way. But you have to appreciate that all that God is involved in that he's talking about in John 17 is his purpose is for us to know the father, the only true God and his son, Jesus Christ. And he's not only for trouble, he's for trouble for sure. Our trouble was we were going to hell because of the sin in our lives. That trouble is the big trouble. But these things that we go out, the day-to-day -day cares of our life that we go through, a lot of our focus when it comes to our prayer life is about supplication, asking. God, help me with this. God, do this. God, do this. A lot of listing of trouble, 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 trouble. But I think we have to start moving past, in the name of Jesus, to be something that is more in-depth more substantive, more concrete to realize that the eternal life. You know, one of the things that has been oppressed upon me with William being so sick, the fear of death looms on you. It, 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 it burdens you. It puts some weight on you. But when you start to say to God in prayer life that, God, there's an eternity. There's an eternal life that has nothing to do with sickness and disease medication, whether this person's going to be in your life for this many months or this many years, whether this relationship will continue. And you start to start to think about eternal things. What is eternally happening in the divine plan of God? And how has this temporary life on this transitional plane been in effect to help us, what Christ says, for us to know the only true God. For you and I who say we love God, what are we doing for other people to know who the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are? He's like, I don't really know where you're going with this, Sister Helen. We are having a, a situation where we're not being effective as believers in Christ. I want to give you the idea to think about this in your prayer life, to ask yourself, when you go to ask the Lord for things, asking the Father in Jesus' name, is it only about superficial, temporary things, or are you asking 
more of their knowledge of who the Father is? Are you asking to have deeper understanding of who the Word of God, who God is in His Son, Jesus Christ, who who He is, what is the Holy Spirit working in you for you to be fruitful? Is it all about everything natural? And the reason why I tell you that is because even the disciples found themselves walking every day, living, eating lunch, breakfast, dinners, laying down, teaching, teaching, listening to teaching, doing things with Christ. And Christ had to come to the point, and I want y'all to go here. Let's go to John 16. So we're right close. John 16. Let's start with uh, verse 23. He talks about the hatred, but I'm going to get to another part. But John chapter 16, verse 23 through 28. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. This is him talking to his disciples. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. You've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. These things I've spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. All of us need to reach out to understand the Father. The scripture I was trying to go to was the one also that was in Luke 9, and I went to this John 16 first, because we're asking amiss. We're asking for things that are about self, self. And God tells us we need to deny ourselves. But he's asking, saying that if you ask the Father, the things he wants you to ask for is things about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, things about knowing what this word means, understanding what it means when it comes to you proclaiming who his Son is day to day at your job with your family, with your neighborhoods, with that stranger, with that person that, that this God brings into your path. He's asking you to ask of things that are more of him, not more of the things that you have on your I need list. And I'm talking about natural cares of this life. Now go to the scripture I should have taken you to, Luke 9. Luke 9. Luke 9, starting at verse 18. The disciples... Like I said, we're with Christ. But he got to the point of asking, just like we have to ask, because a lot of people, my husband asked this week, he said, when it comes to Resurrection Baptist Church, tell me about the church. And people said different things, but he says, I want you to really go deeper. He, we got answers and we gave answers to the pastor, but he really wanted us to go deeper. So let's go to Luke chapter 9, verse 18. And Christ is asking a question, and it talks about here, and it happened as he was alone praying. Now, Christ always is known for waking up early in the morning and going to the Father in prayer because they needed to be on one accord about the divine plan unfolding, knowing that he was marching toward the cross for the salvation of mankind. So here he is, and it happened as he was alone praying 
that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, who do the crowds say that I am? That's a question that each of us have to say, because as we go in our prayer life, we have to know who are we praying to? We're praying to the Father in the Son's name to give access, but do we really understand the, the I mean, the actual magnitude of who Jesus Christ is, the name that we're calling to the Father, that we're getting access, asking the Father that he just talked about in John 16? Do we really understand the magnitude of who Christ is? It says, who do the crowd say that I am? Verse 19, so they answered and said, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. People didn't understand who Jesus is. And they had all kinds of misunderstandings of resurrected John the Baptist after he'd been, been beheaded by Herod. Elijah, an old prophet from the Old Testament. Other people other than Christ. And sometimes when you start to hear people talk of Christ and just throw out, oh, I'm going to do it in Jesus' name, it's like, do they really understand who he is? That the mat, the magnitude of who Jesus Christ is and the significance of that name and that relationship to the Father, that he just didn't say out of the blue, oh, just thought of it, oh, just use my name, just, just go into God asking for whatever you want and just use my name. That's why some of us are being so ineffective in our ministry because we don't know the relationship of who Christ is and what he was expecting for his disciples who follow after him, who have the mind of Christ, to be asking the Father. The things that are of, of importance to the Father are things about the eternal life of the only true God and his son, Jesus Christ. Not mortgage, rent, relationship, I need to go back. There's things that we find that are so important so we can have more and more stuff, do more and more things that have nothing to do with eternity. So here we go at verse 20. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. The Christ of God. We have a relationship not a religion, as Reverend Watts was say, saying in the Sunday school. We have a relationship with the Christ of God, who has been in the beginning, who became flesh so that he could bruise the head of Satan when it came to Satan wanted to be the accuser of each and every one of us so that we could go to hell with him and the demons that were rebelled against the Father in heaven. And we have a relationship with the Christ of God. And when Christ, the Christ of God says what he says in John 16 to the disciples to say, when you ask the Father, you haven't been asking the Father in my name, but now there's a transition that's about to happen, disciples of mine, where you go to the Father with the access of the Christ of God, who I am. You don't go to ask in Anita's name or Mike's name or Anita's name. All those names don't mean anything to God because those are sinful people from, and they're only given access to the Father because of the sinless death of Christ, the Christ of God. But look what Christ says here. 
And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one. Don't expose to everyone that you're going to meet in this journey in this three and a half years who I am. I'm here to tell them about the Father. I'm here to tell them because they should have been waiting and watching because it was prophesied. And I'm going to show you something else. Let's go to Luke 19 since we're in Luke. Go to Luke 19 and let's go to uh, verse 10. Luke 19 verse 10. It says, I apologize, Luke, we're going to go to Luke 19, 10. I'm going to read it while I'm here. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Christ of God has come to seek and to save all of us who are lost. None of us are righteous, no, not one. But through Christ, he came, he took on the flesh, he took on the humiliation. Because in the Christ of God, the relationship as he was talking to his father in John 17, he wants all of us that we may know the only true God. But he has to share with us that yes, we need to repent. Yes, we have to understand that there's nothing in our flesh that is good, no good works, no goody two shoes actions that are gonna ever merit us to go before the father in our own flesh, in our own good deeds. We have no good deeds, we are lost. And because of our lost state, and status for eternity, Christ had to come. But look what he says now. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. I know it's a lot of scripture, but this is to get my husband used to always do this to us when he was teaching us. He would tell us something, but he would tell us just, just enough to get us to go and want to read ourselves, to go look and study. So go to Luke chapter 4, verses 17. Christ, when he comes on the scene, we're going to start at verse 17. It says, Christ saying, and he, ha he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed. They were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I want y'all to think something about what you read about what Christ has said. Because we're to do the work of Christ. We are the church. And when you start praying in the name of Jesus, here's some ideas of what are the things that you would be praying to the Father about. It's not all about yourself. But look what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. We should be praying for the Spirit of the Lord to be on us as we go to minister to the people. We should be asking God's anointing to help us to preach and teach the gospel to the poor. And guess what? Poorness is not about rich or poor, having money or no money, coin or no coin. All of us are poor in spirit and we need to have the mind of Christ. We need to know who Christ is. We need to understand who the John 1, 1 through 2 is. 
But that's what we should be praying to the Father, asking him to give us the anointing to proclaim who his son is, who the Christ of God is, who the beginning, who was with him from the beginning, as he says, for that they may know the one true God and the Lord, his son, Jesus Christ. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. They're not going to be healed by you talking about what Oprah says, what, what Ivana fixed my life, what Dr. Phil, what Dr. All these people, they can't fix the hurt and the brokenheartedness that everyone has. Only Christ. But that's why we got to go and pray to the Father and ask in Jesus' name for the things that are meaningful to teach them about who Christ is, his significance, not this fly-by-night Christ that we got. We got him for the trouble in my way, but we don't have him for the mercy and truth of what's written in this word. The recovery of the sight of the blind. How many of us, now you think blindness, which is the eyes, but how many people around the globe are blinded by Satan and the deception, the lawlessness, the deception of, of Satan and all the evil that he has in front of our children in front of, in their ears, they're looking at it. All the deception. We get focused on one topic, but we don't realize the deception of everything the accuser has is all to steal, kill, and destroy us. But we're blinded. Even the elect can be blinded and fooled and deceived by the deceptive Satan who's the father of lies. And it says here, to set liberty those who are oppressed. How many times, how many times in, in different ways can we see how the nations, how the globe are oppressed with the sins of the prince of the air? How he's just thwarting everything that is, that is of, of God and truth. But it's because we are not taking seriously the significance and the magnitude of who Jesus Christ is. He says, in your hearing, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And saints, we go to church, we go to Bible classes, we hear the word, we talk about we're praying and we're interceding. But in reality, are we just doing a trouble in my way prayer? God, help me out of this, this situation I've got myself in. Help my kids out of their situation. Help me get this back on track. Help me get my focus back. A lot of times it's all about me, me, me. It's not about the bigger scheme of that we may know the one true God and Jesus Christ's son. Do you recognize that even in heaven, Christ is still looking at all of the entire universe and looking individual and corporately of what his body, the church, is doing and how they're being oppressed and how things are happening. Some of us are doing things and we're getting all kinds of things against us because Satan wants to throw fiery darts because you're, you're breaking through and people are getting liberated. People are, as they say, the recovery of the sight of the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's Jesus's job. And guess what? While he's in heaven, he's working through each and every one of us. And as you saw in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost, even as they're getting ready to stone him and kill him. And they said he was full of the Holy Ghost and he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God the Father. That his ministry was getting ready to transition out of this natural plane into the eternal life that he was going to have, but he got to see the glory of God 
the Father in heaven. But he saw Jesus standing there, looking, saying, I see everything going on. Even if you think about Acts chapter 9, when Paul fell off of that horse, it said a light came down and surrounded him from heaven. And he said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Christ is active. Christ is involved in the divine plan. It's not stopped because he was crucified and he came alive and he ascended into heaven. And remember what they said in Acts 1? Everybody was gawking. All the disciples that were there were gawking. Like, and they were like, the two angels like, why y'all gawking? He told you this. Just like he's told us so much in this word. But we kind of do our own thing. When it comes to prayer life, we do our own thing. It says praise, prayer without ceasing. I'm at fault with it. Believe me, I say, God, forgive me because I don't do enough praying continually and sincerely and in the Father's will for what I need to be doing in the significance of the Christ of God's name, Jesus Christ's name. I don't call on the name of, of Christ to do the work of Christ so that people can be saved. I call on him, please help Reverend feel better. Please help the person in the church have this need met. Please go before me to work this out, God. Please give me favor. It's all about me. And I, there's nothing wrong with us praying about the things that are going on in our life, but not at the expense of the divine plan of God. Jesus needs to be proclaimed. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have to be proclaimed. And remember, the Counselor, the Comforter, is coming to talk about Christ. So why are our lips and our tongue talking about everything but? We talk about church programs. So what? I don't need to hear another. Y'all going to be mad at me. But how many programs can we praise the ushers and the trustees and have this anniversary? I mean, come on now. Where is Jesus? These are fundraiser activities. These are pat me on the back for how good I am. This is to encourage people so they won't quit. They don't need to be quitting. They need to get more involved in sharing the gospel. If we would do as much as we do with all these programs and share the gospel of Christ and the word of God, this, this place would be better. We would be stronger. We wouldn't have some of the foolishness of our youth who are growing up to be older and is still foolish in 50 and 60 because they didn't pour into themselves having the knowledge of the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. It was all about me, me, and my. And that's why Christ says, what profit a man to gain the whole world lose his soul? We got a lot of people that big time money and they're foolish. They don't know Christ. So maybe this wasn't an easy milkshake. But the reality is we have to get serious about the things of God now. Tomorrow is an election in the United States. And I pray to Lord God that, you know, his will will be done. We may not like whatever happens, I know. But I pray in the name of Jesus that God, whatever will bring about us knowing Christ more, for us being on bended knee more, for us realizing that we have to be about the Father's business in Jesus' name for the eternity, for the things of God that mean something to him and his plan. I, I ask God for his will to be done so that we can grow up, so that we can come back out of this pandemic. Maybe we're not going to come out physically, but we need to grow up. 
We need to understand the Christ of God de demands and requires us to take this relationship with the Son of God more seriously. The gamesmanship, the time is over for playtime. Satan is coming with, with nuclear bombs and we're playing games with, with patty cake because we want to play on play church on Sunday only. And he's taking kids and adults every day, taking them out of here. So I pray in the name of Jesus that we come to know who the Father, the one true God is, and his Son, Jesus Christ. I love you, and Lord willing, we'll see you next week. Don't forget to vote.